Hello and welcome. You are listening to Gay with God, a safe place for us to share our stories and support one another. How long did we know? What challenges did we face? Did we lose our faith? When did we find our way back home? Are we still searching? The stories you hear in this podcast will melt your heart and can strengthen your belief that in God, all things are possible. And you can be authentically gay with God. I am your host, Midge Noble, and I am very honored that you are here. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Gay with God. I am so excited that you're here, and I'm so happy that you continue to subscribe and join the podcast and share comments. That's how we know that we're on the right track. And so I appreciate each and every one of you for coming back every week and listening. And once again, I have an amazing guest. Actually, I have two guests because that's how cool we are here at um, you know Gay with God. We, we get two guests instead of one. So let me introduce to you Suzanne and Declan DeWitt Hall and curates encouraging, informative, and challenging content and builds communities online to help people all over the world engage in the justice work of inclusion. Welcome to Gay With God, Suzanne and Declan. Thank you so much for having us. Oh, I am thrilled. I, I started following you online and I was just so excited about all the positivity and the joy and the information you guys share. And I just thought it was just brilliant. And I'm like, got to be on my show, (laughs) done, (laughs) got to be on my show. So, you know, as we talk about coming out in faith journeys, everybody's is different. And that's what I love about this show is that, you know, even though there's a theme where, okay, we didn't know, we did know, we came out, we may have been in a faith community, we may not have been in a faith community, but everybody then experiences that differently. So let's start with your story. What is your story? Gee, one of the reasons that we were happy to be able to come on together is that our coming out journeys are inexplicably, not inextricably, (laughs) perhaps, um, connected. So we met as adults in church and um, fell in love. and, And that's a whole story on its own. But in doing that, we were both um, living as Proverbs 31 wives at the time trying to do our best at that in a conservative, um, conservative sort of evangelically leaning church. And we didn't know what to make of this thing of, of falling in love with our best friends when we were <laughs> married to men. Um, and we had to kind of figure it out. So um, that was the way that we kind of jumped into the whole queer community with both feet and with little concept of what was to come or how we were going to and and both of us very much jumped into biblical study so right away we started reading and researching and reading the bible over and over and go wait a minute there's got to be a loophole from what we've been taught because this is love i mean this is grand love and and according to what we've been taught in church this is wrong and this can't be wrong when it's so good Mm. so we we searched and searched i even went to counseling uh-huh. And the therapist, I said, I don't know what I am anymore. I said, I, you know, I've been married to a man in a terrible, terrible marriage, you know, up until we met. And uh, now I'm madly in love with a female. And the therapist said, well, just make up a label. 
if you got a half a label, just make one up. It's love. It's love. You know, mm-hmm. so we kind of had to stop at that and and move from that point. And we did a lot of Bible study and searching and praying together. Mm-hmm. And you know, at the end of the day, we knew it was good, and we knew mm-hmm. it was from God. Mm-hmm. It was so good. Yeah, <laughs> yes. tons of fruit. Uh-huh. Um, and, and the, the other thing is to, because it's a little bit hard, our, our story is so, um, I think unusual is that we've come out, um, multiple times in multiple ways. And I know, you know, you don't coming out isn't just one time. Right. However, in our case, you know, we came out as loving each other as a couple, um, in all the ways that that was, um, not clear cut, you know, not clearly we weren't lesbians. Um, so it was confusing. Uh Um, but then I realized that I was, um, I am asexual, which, you know, sexuality is such a driving force in, in humanity and probably in all of creation really, but, um, and it was such a disruptor throughout my life in so many ways. And so kind of, as we became uh, more educated about within the queer community and the, and the spectrum of, um, you know, LGBTQIA plus and, uh, learning about and meeting more people, I realized that this applied to me mm-hmm. and also Declan, um, embraced their transgender identity. So not only, you know, was the ongoing coming out of being this, this couple that appeared to be lesbian, um, we had these additional coming out <laughs> segments. <laughs> So, you know, our story is a little bit unusual and um, we'll just figure you can ask the questions to try to direct it the way you want because there's a lot of different ways. We so can where can it. we go from here? Well, and exactly. I think that's a really good, I, I appreciate that, Suzanne, that you you made that um, that disclaimer up front that, you know, just because what you see is what you think you see, you may not really know me. So, you know, I may be looking at the two of you early on and saying, oh, that's a lesbian couple, like you said. And then it goes so much deeper. And we continue to not only come out to to different people just in general. I mean, there's always that, you know, awkward moment when someone says, well, are, are you married? Yes. Well, what's his name? Happens to be sisters. Your best friend. Okay, great. You've been, you've been right. together for 40 years. That's awesome. You guys are still friends. <laughs> we had, a, we had a, a couple of friend of ours. Um, one of them used to uh, refer to her um, as her prayer partner. that's that's a new one one. well so so you knew that you were queer early on um so let's start there let's start there Mm -hmm. with you you kind of had this inkling that you were queer and then you married so tell me about that journey of of taking that knowledge about yourself and putting it where where (laughs) where did you tuck that little gem (laughs) well I like to tell people that this this Baptist girl at the time mm. met a Catholic leaning woman and got married in Episcopal church. <laughs> Hallelujah <laughs> to the Episcopalians. <laughs> that's, that's how I finally got back to church. <laughs> there you go. Episcopal or MCC, people. some PCUSA yeah, yeah. churches are welcoming. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's changing and evolving, but I think yes. our faith walk was just like our personal walk. We had to find somewhere where we could be in community with Uh people and worship God, but be accepted. And we had to be accepted to come out more. I think, you know, Uh between us, we, we are blossoming more and more into who we are. And that's that growth thing you were talking about and Uh how I've been able to 
be transgender, but it all started. We met in church Mm -hmm. and I was drawn to praying for her, speaking to her, being around her. Mm -hmm. Like I had never been with anybody before. Mm -hmm. And it made Mm -hmm. no sense to me. I mean, I had lots of friends in my life, but this was different. This was, Mm -hmm. this was like a magnetic thing. And it was uh, supernatural. Mm -hmm. It was from God. Definitely. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right in church. Right in <laughs> church. Well, you know, I went to a Christian college and now that I've years later, I mean, it's been over, you know, a hundred years, not really, <laughs> but um, there were a lot of gay people there and, and I didn't mm-hmm. know it. I didn't know I was gay. I didn't come out until I was 30. Um, so I didn't know all these other people were gay. And the guy that I, I wound up dating actually was gay and he knew it. But, you know, it was kind of passing. And so he dated me and we were really super good friends. And then he even showed me where we were going to live near you know, his mama's house down south and all these things. And the more, you know, it got to that conversation, I would get I would get physically sick and I still didn't know why. But one time he uh, one day he just broke up with me. No, no reason, no cause. Just I love you. But, you know, I, I, I can't do this anymore. And the next day he was with somebody else. And, you know, I found out many, many years later that he was really going to marry me because he really loved me and he didn't know what else to do, but he did know he didn't want to hurt me. And he thought in the long run that marrying me would hurt me. And so he didn't know I was gay, but, you know, apparently we both were. So thankfully, (laughs) yeah, it worked out that way. Thankfully, it worked out that way, but it doesn't always work out that way because, you know, there is so much, you know, societal and religious shame that comes with, you know, the scriptures and how it's been misinterpreted and how it has been an interpreted. And it's just a hard thing. So I love the fact that you guys studied. So, so through that studying, how did that, how did that move you forward when you were studying the scriptures? What did you find in the scriptures that, that kind of let you have some peace about that? Well, we had always done daily Bible studies together from our, um, early, I mean, we, the way we started to become friends was through a uh, Bible study sort of disciple group that I led. <clears throat> and that's where we started to really get to know each other. And we continued when um, we were living together, we continued to do Bible studies. And um, because we were torn and had been formed within conservative Christian views, um, we we, uh, were confused. And so we, Mm -hmm. as we continued this daily study, it just, the scripture started hitting us a different way. You know, the, Mm -hmm. the focus wasn't on, the concepts that had been drilled into us um, throughout our years of, of church going, mm-hmm. we, it's just, we would read a passage we'd read a thousand times and it, something different would bring through and we would realize that perhaps um, we had, we'd not been focusing on the right things. And mm-hmm. um, just the spirit was revealing um, new insights, I think, into these old words. Well, you were taking a lot of notes. You know, Jonathan and David appeared different to me than it had ever before. Uh-huh. It wasn't the same. Yeah. The Sodom and Gomorrah story was completely uh-huh. different. I mean, when I was younger, I taught a high school class and I remember telling them that it was about being gay. Uh-huh. You know, now I'm reading, going, wait a minute, it's about raping angels and, and that's lack right. of hospitality. Uh-huh. You know, so, and then that's, that just, that just happened. 
I yeah. just, I just, I just saw that. And so my eyes had been open because they were being closed by the church. Yes. You know, they were telling me something to believe that yes. that wasn't true. It was what they wanted me to believe. Yeah. And when the church, when I took them out of the picture and we started studying it together, there was this clarity that came about. Now, Suzanne, she, she didn't read any of the books that were out there because she was taking her own notes and, and, and thinking about doing a devotional. And that's when her first devotional came out. But I started reading, you know, Matthew Vines was the only one out and Peter Gomes, because I was just searching. There's got to be someone else that's seeing these things. Uh-huh. Uh, Kathy Balduck became a friend of ours. Um, but you refused to read those because you were writing where true love is at the time. But I was devouring them uh-huh. because I, I, I needed answers, because how could I have taught something and fully believed it and been yes. so wrong? Yeah. You know, so that, as lights came on, you start leaning to the light. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and and hopefully giving yourself grace because when you know who said it uh, either my angelo i think it was my angelo said when you know better you do better yeah exactly and and we can we can only give ourselves you know permission to grow and to be impassioned about what we knew at the time and then when we know better we'll do better um i i found the first book i found was uh is the homosexual your neighbor and i was so excited that um they took all of those scriptures you know now we've got the clobber verses and we you know we all know what they are but it was the first time ever i had seen any person ever write that these have been misinterpreted and this is what they really mean. And this is why this isn't condemning you to hell. And um, (laughs) I was just so excited to get that. And I actually bought many copies. And when I was a therapist, I would, you know, discreetly hand copies to people that I thought needed it, you know, especially parents who needed to know that this kid that came out to me in my office is going to be coming to you. And I need Mm -hmm. for you to have information. So um, not everybody I think took it, but um, (laughs) But still, it was it was a gift. And I tried to give it to my family, but they said it was propaganda. (laughs) It didn't come from the Bible that it wasn't it wasn't okay. But um, I thought it was brilliant. You know, I I think one of the things with the the first book, which was Where True Love Is, um, is that it's 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 important to deal with the clobber passages, Mm -hmm. but it's even more important to really consider who God is, who, mm. who do we think God is? What does the Bible say God is? You know, what are the scriptures? How, how should we be looking at the scriptures and what is sin? And, you know, what did Jesus, who did Jesus condemn? Um, and because the individual passages, while important, and if you're a, a biblical literalist, then mm. they become excruciatingly important for use as a weapon, right? They sharpen right, them. right. Um, <laughs> but that's not what our faith is. Our, you know, the, the Christian faith isn't about specific verses, although mm-hmm. people love to memorize specific uh-huh. verses and think that that is some kind of a tool of, um, of uh, not a tool, but a, um, a badge of mm-hmm. Christian righteousness, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but in reality, it's anti what it's anti what a lot of Jesus said and yes yes so my goal with where to love is was to offer a tool where people could um consider what they really think about what being a Christian means Mm -hmm. and then consider sexuality and gender within that overall 
package because mm -hmm. you can't, you know, you can't consider finances, you can't consider social justice, you can't consider anything um, from a, a Christian perspective without having a system within which to do that, right? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, that book was really meant to be a tool for helping people really think about what what their faith means to them overall, and and therefore how you know, sex, sexuality and gender should sort of slot into that. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Because otherwise the, you know, looking at the clobber passages is sort of a useless endeavor. I find it very tiresome to argue the clobber passages. I find it much more interesting to think about, you know, the, the wonder and majesty of, of there being a divine creator who loves, mm -hmm. us, you know, yes, <laughs> much more. Yes. <laughs> yes. And it helps you sleep better at night. <laughs> for, sure. <laughs> for sure. So, so I love that you started talking about your book, because I definitely wanted to, to talk more about that today as well. Um, before we move on to your book, um, are, are your families on the same page with you? Well, <laughs> maybe one day. Yeah. <laughs> I think yeah. that they, uh, you know, did they not only struggle with me being with a woman and, and being a lesbian, now they're struggling with me being transgender. Yeah. Um, you know, so they've had to do two things. So, you know, my mother talks to me, to us kind and interacts, but doesn't want to talk about any of that. Mm. You know, our, our children seem pretty good. I think mm -hmm. the young people are going to save us. Our grandchildren are fantastic. You know, they, they are very respectful of my pronouns and of us as a couple. And they're just thrilled. They just see love. They see happiness and love where the world wants to see whatever it is that they want to be negative about, uh -huh. you know, and I think that my siblings, they're struggling. I don't talk to them very much. Yeah, they're conservative evangelical very much Christians. So, so. Uh -huh. I mean, I understand it because that's where I came from, but uh -huh. I always thought that love would win out uh -huh. so far. It hasn't. Mm -hmm. um, I'm hoping that it will. I think if push came to shove, they would be there for me, but they don't want to talk to me right now. Yeah. So, yeah. It's, it's a struggle with families that are, I mean, from the backgrounds that we came from mm -hmm. and that's why we do what we do because we see that pain. We feel mm -hmm. that pain. So we can interact with people that feel that pain mm -hmm. and give them ways to, to feel better and to find their tribes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, my, my, my family of origin, my dad passed away a couple of years ago. He was quite accepting of us as a couple. I'm not sure how he would have dealt with um, your being transgender. It's hard to know. My mom has had some strokes. And um, so I don't think she could even really con uh, you know, conceptualize it. So we haven't really talked mm -hmm. to her about it. And my brother and I are also not in, in great touch due to a wide range of philosophical and political uh -huh. that this past you know decade has introduced and amped up sorry about that that's right but your mother <laughs> your stepmother and your stepsisters are fantastic yes they are very um encouraging affirming they sent us mm -hmm. a, a love wins fleece and a you um, <laughs> what was it you belong mm -hmm. you are home um fleece for Declan um so, you know, so that they've been wonderful. So it's, it's an interest, it's a, it's a whole mix, which I think probably a lot of people. Experience yeah. What you're buying in your yeah. Discussions. Yeah. Most of those discussions are that it's usually really bad in the beginning. If it's going to be bad, some people had a, you know, a good experience, but um, 
you know, even with, with mine, it was, I knew that I could not tell my, my family in person that that just wouldn't be safe for me. And so I wrote a letter and according to my mother who, who overshares, um, she said, that, um, <laughs> she said, well, when I got to the part of you being, you know, the G word, um, she said, I just, I just handed it to your father. And he finally got to that word and he threw the the letter across the room. And so what I did was I took it and I tore it into tiny, tiny little pieces. And then I put it in tin foil and then I put it in the freezer and waited until <laughs> trash day. <laughs> and then I, wow. took it, I took it out and I didn't want anybody else to see it or find it. And I took it out and I put it in the trash wow. can. So, um, so it, you know, so that nobody would ever know. And oh, in, in my most mean spirited way, I said, <laughs> I said, <laughs> so um, I said, I'm sorry that you had a really hard time with that. I said, um, and I hear that my cousin's having a hard time too, that she lost her wedding ring. And she said, yeah, yeah, she did. She, she, you know, cause I knew she needed to get off the topic. And I said, but you know, she went to the landfill to uh, look for her wedding ring. Cause she thought she threw it in the trash. She, she did. I said, yeah. And I said, do you know that what she found? And she said, what? And she said, well, she called me the other day and she had found a piece <laughs> of tin foil and she unwrapped it <laughs> and she put, and, and I could hear my mother like, gasping for air and she said <laughs> and she put this thing together because it was like a puzzle and she she read it to me that you know it was my letter that I was coming out to you that I was gay and she was oh my god oh my god <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't help it so it didn't go well in the beginning and my father wouldn't even if I called he would not talk to me on the phone and oh, my wow. sister was having, um, she had a horrible pregnancy, uh, well, a birth of her, her first child and almost died. And I was calling mm. home to tell them that Debbie was in trouble. And, um, and so he would hang up every time I called, I called three times and I finally said, Debbie's dying. And that's what kept them on the phone, but he passed it to my mother. So it was very awkward. My brother had disconnected with me for seven years. He decided that mm -hmm. I was an abomination, you know, to his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, I'm in, and that I would um, be not <laughs> a good thing for his children. And so for seven years, my, my niece had, was two months old when this happened. And, um, and the sad thing was that he, he walked us down when, when my wife and I had a holy union before it was legal, he had walked us down to our seats and he was all, you know, he loved us and we were very good. You know, he, everything was fine, but then he started going to that Baptist church Oh uh -oh. Yeah, yeah, and he played Jesus in the East. <laughs> Oh, did it change him? <laughs> it did. And, and that's kind of, this all came to a culmination. I'm not sure exactly what else happened in that thing, but, um, and so I didn't see my niece again until she was almost eight. Uh, oh, but the okay. good news is that, um, that he did, he did start to unpack some things and he was able to find space for me and, um, and for my wife now and is we're legal. And, um, you know, it's just, it's a long process for some people. And I think, you know, the grace that I'm able to give back now, although it was a really hard time for me, a long time for me to do that is that when I was in the church and I knew what they were telling me, I was supposed to just believe. And so there were questions. You didn't question the preacher. You didn't question right. what they were telling you about the scriptures. And so that knowledge that if you align with the sin of whatever they tell you the sin is, then you also could go to hell. So I think this fear, this fear about, about going against a God that we've been taught is so wrathful 
and, mm-hmm. and will hold you accountable and burn you forever. That fear is very powerful when it comes to trying to open your mind to accept people you love. Uh, one, they're, e- they're either fighting for our lives because they don't want us to go to hell or they're right. fighting also for their life. So they don't go to hell. And it just right. makes it so, so complicated, but that's also why I wanted to do this podcast. You know, for you guys, you're, you're, putting out that message of hope and love. And I, I don't want people to keep dying because they don't think yeah. they can be gay with God, you know, that yeah. they, that they can be both, you know, you know, it's, it's, it's funny that you used that phrase. I mean, it, because it's literally the fear is that they don't want you to go to hell. I, one of the books that I wrote was called, I don't want them to go to hell. And it's meant mm-hmm. for parents and friends and family who are concerned because that is their literal fear. Yes. I mean, there's some people who are just nasty and um, demeaning and, you know, but a a lot of um, Christians are just well-intentioned, good-hearted, but we've been taught this thing. um, And it's just so internalized to that. We don't know how to get out of it. Yeah. Yeah. But I do think that love is, is the way. And I think visibility brings more validity. You know, the more visible we've, we've become as a community and the more they see us as, you know, people in your neighborhood, you know, we're just other people in your neighborhood. There's nothing different about us except for who we love and maybe who we identify as, but you know, it is not, (laughs) I think it's sometimes unfortunate that we have gay pride events because some of the things that happen at gay pride are the things that the people are most scared of. Right. (laughs) And it's just so outrageous, outrageous and flamboyant that if you're trying to put um, your understanding into another person, another human being, it's really hard to do that when it's, when the picture you're getting is so on the extreme side of something. Um, yeah, we've joked a lot about, um, you know, the gay agenda and mm-hmm. what that means to us. And, you know, it's like, okay, get up, have coffee, have breakfast, let the dogs out. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Go to work. Yeah. To work. See the grandkids. Hey. Yeah. Um, you know, help them with the project. <laughs> Watch yeah. a Hallmark movie and go to sleep by 10. That's right. That's right. <laughs> of your neighbor. Next That's door. right. That's right. <laughs> I, I, I think this, the stories are healing. And I, I think that's why the Where to Love Movement pages are so popular because people can get on there and interact as they are yeah. and tell their stories and yes. see other people like them. You know, so uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it is a movement. And I think since you started writing and we started talking about it over what, 13, 14 years ago, it's grown. There's mm-hmm. so many groups out there that are supportive in, in churches. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was a time we couldn't find a church. Now you can. Yeah, you know, this church clarity and there are things to help people. You know, one of the things we were talking about verses a little bit ago, and one of the things that hit me and really opened my eyes is when I realized that the two greatest commandments were actually three. You know, when I realized that I had to love God and I had to love my neighbor, and there's a reason why Jesus said, and yourself mm-hmm. as yourself. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that's mm-hmm. something I try to point out to people. You have to love yourself. God made you the way you are in the image of them. And mm-hmm. you have to love yourself because they love you. They love you. They could not not love you. And it it doesn't make any sense. I mean, the Bible's written by people who are flawed. It could never explain the large expanse of God. And and the Bible puts God in this box 
and we got to take them out, take them yes. out every day, <laughs> take them out every day. That's right. Well, and I, I love that you said that because I think love really, you know, like I said before, love has got to be the way this is all going to turn out because anything less than love is not going to be following the, the whole Jesus movement. You know, Jesus was all about love. God came out of love. And it, it's still, it's hard for me to always unpack that. You know, that inner homophobia can like pop out at really awkward times. And if you've ever felt shame uh, or unworthiness, then even though you've come far away from it, it takes, you know, one candidate or it takes one uh, well-meaning church person to, you know, when you're feeling tired or sick. And that can seep back in a little bit. So, you know, being able to stay in a place of love for yourself and grace and also extend that to others. I mean, absolutely. That has to be where this is going to heal. So do you think that, do you think that at eventually all churches will come to know the real meaning of, of love and, and how we all fit on the planet together? I personally don't because we're humans. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and- I hear you. And we uh, love putting things in boxes and categories and we love binaries because Mm -hmm. it's so much easier. Um, And, you know, I, I personally think that we'll culturally go through waves where, um, you know, we're still kind of coming out of the enlightenment era when we started to think that humans can understand all things if we get the science right. Mm. Um, And that's kind of poured into uh, religion, and and we've decided that the Bible is this um, yardstick and you know scientific book that if we follow the the right way, because everybody's got the right way, and which passages apply still and which don't, and you know all that. But it's become this this tool of getting religion, getting righteousness right. Mm. Whereas I think in um, other points in history and other approaches, even within Christianity and Eastern, um, Eastern approach, you know, Eastern Orthodoxy, there's much more room for the mystical Mm. and this concept of unknowing Mm. um, and a much more um, a loose, much embracing the idea that we can't, we can't really know. Yeah. Um, but unfortunately, you know, I think humans, we, we aren't comfortable with not knowing we want to be right. We want to pound our fists and say, we've got this the right way and you are wrong. So, you know, I, it's hard for me to imagine us ever becoming, reaching the true enlightenment of, of realizing we're all wrong <laughs> and we're all beautiful anyway. Yeah. Um, you know, which is, you know, the, the church is a, largely human institution. So what do you think? Mm-hmm. Well, I forever hope. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I do see a lot of churches in, in my work because I'm on social media eight to 10 hours a day. And I see a lot of churches dying that aren't doing that, that aren't mm-hmm. inviting everyone and loving everyone. And, and, yeah. and the words welcoming have changed to not, are you, are you welcoming, but are you affirming and inclusive? Yes. You know, it used to be, if you'll welcome me, I'll come. Now it's like, if you affirm me and include me, I'll come. And the ones that aren't doing that, that have sat on the fence of that mm-hmm. seem to be closing and struggling. I mean, I think the UMC is going to split very mm-hmm. soon because of it. Yes. And yes. Uh, I don't think it'll happen with the Catholic church for a while, though. There's a lot of Catholics standing up, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and speaking their truths. Mm-hmm. Um, I would like to, I hope it will. 
I don't think I it would happen in our time, you know, and I, but I do see some that it is. So there's hope in that. Yeah. I, I stand on the side of hope, but I also have a foot in reality. Mm. <laughs> I have three yeah. feet. <laughs> <That's a good laughs> because I, I do believe, I, yeah, I never, if you had asked me when I was 30, um, will you be married to this woman in your lifetime? I would have said no. At that moment, I would have said no. Um, and I'm surprised that we had Barack Obama as a president. I'm surprised. I mean, just that just blew me out of the water that, you know, that this country came together and picked a candidate that had dark skin that just blew me away. And, um, and I was very surprised when we finally got the right to be married and have it legalized. I was Mm -hmm. also surprised to, because I'm not political generally, and I don't understand politics um, and don't, apparently like it when I do try to understand it. So, um, so, you know, the last, you know, four or more years, I, I just, you know, continued to be angry about the fact that, you know, you can have rights. Oh, wait, somebody else came in. No, you can't. And it's like, wait a minute, if it's Mm -hmm. a right, we shouldn't have to have it like come and go like that to swing with the political views. It should be a basic human right. And that if I, if this is my country and I pledge allegiance to this flag, then I should have as many rights as everybody else. You know, not, not the color of my skin, who I love, you know, where I live. It, you know, I'm a, I'm a very, when you say binary, I I think I'm a little too maybe OCD about things. I I'm very obsessive compulsive about things. So like it's right and wrong. Okay. I'm I'm looking toward gray. Really. I am, but it's like, (laughs) I deserve rights. It's wrong if I don't have them. <laughs> There's no right. gray there for me. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. I want yeah. it all. So I don't know, but I do believe, I do believe that we have the capacity to get there. I believe that as a, as a country and just as human beings who are, who, who are evolving and enlightening, we're getting more enlightened. And you're right about the children, Declan. I think you are absolutely right because these kids have had more information because of social media and they have learned to embrace differences in ways and specialties that we never did, you know, mm. never. And so I, I do believe the children will lead us. And I believe that there's, their voices are so powerful. I mean, they know how to get things done. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I still struggle working on a computer. It. Yes, they have energy. That's right. <laughs> My wife is in bed by nine, by the way. <laughs> so I understand. That's right. <laughs> well, your story is so beautiful. And I love the fact that that you fought for it. You fought for it in scriptures and you fought for it just with each other. You know, that you you didn't you didn't feel that attraction and then say, no, demurely. I'm sorry. I can't. <laughs> I'm Christian. Yeah. <laughs> so I think any choice. it was too powerful. Yeah. yeah. And it was yeah. too beautiful. It was too full of light mm. to, to, re- mm. to resist. Yeah. One thing that's happened as we've been in the community is as we get to know people more and become more immersed in the community, we see pain in the different areas. Mm. So Suzanne's Where to Love Is book was what, five years ago, and now there's seven of them. There's one for transgender people. There's one for parents, people that think their kids are going to go to hell. There's sex with God. I don't know if you've heard about that one. That one got us in a lot of trouble. Speak, <laughs> speak more about that one. Go ahead. Speak more about go that. Ahead. One. Talk about sex with yeah. God. It's a fantastic book because the purity culture has caused so much damage. Mm. And Suzanne's book, I think, helps 
yeah. heal some of that. So for, for uh, about a decade, I, I wrote this blog called A Theology of Desire, where I was sort of exploring um, the intersection of Christianity and sexuality. And so um, I knew that eventually I wanted to turn that into a book. And then we um, also thought that, you know, sex more specifically needed to be discussed. So I kind of wrestled with how I wanted to present it and I split it into two books. So there is a book called The Theology of Desire and that um, explores God's hunger for us and our hunger for God, this sort of mutual um, intense uh, desire between the divine and, and the humans. And then Sex with God takes that concept, builds on that concept and looks to how can you still seek a sacred sexuality without um, the without embracing the problems of purity culture, and it explores uh, lots of different. It's it's a devotional in style, so you know daily little short snippets which each focus on a single topic, and um, it, it you know the the essence of it is that that I, I think the answer is to acknowledge that there is you know the 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 God within us, the sacred within mm -hmm. us, the, the God and sacredness of the beloved and the God who's always externally with us present in everything we do, including sex. Mm. And if we're seeking those things to, to honor all three of those is the way to uh, um, sort of the, this sort of sacred, um, healthy, emotionally healthy, physically healthy, you know, mm -hmm. all those kinds of healths, um, spiritually healthy, uh, way to engage in sexuality and mm. that sexuality is a is important one important because in a, a lot of um church uh environments it's it's viewed as dirty or embarrassing or something you know we just shouldn't talk about and it's separate from god and in mm. fact i mean in this creation shows us that sex is so firmly rooted <laughs> in <laughs> everything and you know mm -hmm. that that god is is saturated in sexuality so mm -hmm. that book sex with god um explores all of that yeah it was really interesting she often doesn't let me read them until they're finished you know she'll talk about little snippets here and there mm -hmm. would she let me read that one i went oh wow you're brave yeah she went there's 50 topics in 50 days she goes from asexuality to masturbation and orgasms it's all in there polyamory you know and mm -hmm. it's it's which is okay god made us all sexual yeah you know? yeah or a she, you know, she's asexual. So she was able to come out and discuss that, not just in the book, but more in social media. Uh -huh. that there's not one way to be asexual. There's many ways to be asexual. Uh -huh. And uh, it, I think the book has really helped. We get messages all the time says this book healed me. Uh -huh. I'm, I'm okay that I'm asexual and God loves me and there's nothing wrong with me because often people, if they don't have a drive towards someone thinks something is wrong and nothing is yeah. wrong with you. You're yeah. asexual <laughs> you know? yeah. or you're, you're bisexual and people feel ashamed if they masturbate. Well, Suzanne pretty much says God's in the bedroom where the end. <laughs> <laughs> so, so there you go. Well, again, it depends on, but I'm going to qualify that. It kind of depends on how and what, you know, where your mind is and where you're, because right. I think that there are ways that can be sort of, emotionally harmful for you and almost abusive of someone else um, right. depending on what your brain is doing um, uh -huh. during that, I mean so so for for us and <laughs> kind of exploring these topics was how do we how do you keep it there in that place where it is 
good and holy. Well, and I like how, like with polyamorous, she said, you know, this could be for some people, but it's not for us. Well, because God is sort of, God is polyamorous. Right. And if we're made in God's image, is it possible that it could be a holy thing? It is possible. It's very hard for me to envision it because I, I can't envision it. I don't think I have the capability to to love someone, multiple people with the depth that I love Declan <laughs> and the right. depth that they deserve and that level of commitment yeah. and that level of givingness of yourself and, yeah. and, you know, all that, those pieces of it. But is it possible? I do think that within God's creation, it is possible that someone could be that sort of superhuman. Um, <laughs> I think it's rare. <laughs> I don't think I'm mature enough to do it. Seriously, <laughs> I don't. I don't think I could handle it. I don't. Me either. Yeah. Well, I'm just sure the title itself. You know, I'm I'm writing my memoir, and and Ooh. titles are very important. And you mm. know, they can either break or or make a person picking your book off the shelf. I mean, that's the first thing is to grab them in such a way that they're enticed without you know. <laughs> absolutely so one of the guys that is that went through the program that i'm going through his book is called um my drug dealer brought me to god <laughs> oh i was like i have to title. have that book i don't <laughs> just because <Yeah. laughs> that's, that's a so good title fun. yeah that's a good title so i i just love i love the title it, it, because it definitely is something that's going to grab your attention and then hopefully people will also want to read it <laughs> So yeah, it's gotten uh, attention both directions. We've gotten yeah, some sure. negative. I'm sure <laughs> people think it's foul, you know. Yeah. But. Yeah. I've always um I always feel like I'm I might get like dinged with a, a lightning bolt, but that's happened before and and I'm fine. But um I always said <laughs> I always said, well, you know, Jesus was a really loving you know guy and he was really gentle and he hung out with 12 men his whole life, I guess a few women now that we know, but you know, he could have been gay. He really could have been gay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was like, yeah. oh, is that sacrilegious? <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> See, it's, it's funny how we're afraid to say those yeah, things. Yeah. But that's because of the church and what we went yes. to and how we grew up because God is so much bigger. Yeah. I mean, David yelled at God. I yell at God all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, God doesn't care. God wants interaction. Yeah. You know, and, and this fear is not from God. Yeah. And the thing about that is, I, I'm glad you said that because the fear shouldn't be the thing that stops us from embracing our relationship with God. But when mm-hmm. it gets instilled in you, like you said, at, mm-hmm. in your youth from birth to five, you know, whatever you're being taught is pretty important. And then mm-hmm. if it can, if it keeps be, being reinforced. So, you know, any anyone that's gone through the church that you went through and, you know, well, I guess most really strict churches, there's such a narrow window of you being able to be diverse in that situation Mm. and to see it openly and to question. And um, I remember that I was in college getting my BA in theology, which is useless, by the way. Um, (laughs) I could have built on it, I'm sure. But but I was told in in one of the uh, classes that because I questioned God and I doubted that there could be a God because, you know, I wanted to know who God's people were, you know, I'm from the South. Who are, who are God's people? We have to have a lineage. And it's like, God always was no, no, that they're beginning in chicken, egg, I, you know, wherever you fall on that, there has to be one or the other. So, so I wanted to know, and I doubted how that could all happen. You know, if there was never a beginning 
of creation for him. He didn't have a mama and a daddy. How did that work? Um, I asked my minister grandfather when I was about five and a half or something, well, who made God? go to bed was the answer. So it's like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> didn't know. So, <laughs> so, but the, the professor told me that day that because we were talking about the unpardonable sin. And he said, if you've doubted God, if you've railed against God and you've, you know, then you've already committed the, the unpardonable sin. Yikes. And I said, well, if I've already committed the unpardonable sin and I'm already doomed to hell, why am I here? And he goes, I have no idea. Oh and I mean, I was like, I walked out of class. I was scarred, you know, but those, wow. in, those messages that we give to people, you know, that the church has given to people is, is the reason why we're struggling so successfully now at getting back into church. If we've walked away from the church, it's hard to get back in the church because you don't really know, um, how, how you will be accepted. You know, that welcoming mm -hmm. part is just a, that's just a word to get you in there so they can pray over you. Right. Exactly. <laughs> I, I like the affirming <laughs> thing. So that's why I love the, the Episcopal church that I found is because they are just so embracing and open and, and they care about language and they care about, you know, how people are, are, are given the respect they deserve for who they are. And I'm just so, if I had been Episcopalian when I was young, I would not have struggled either. So. Well, I might have. They, the Episcopal Church has grown up and maybe yeah. the UMC will, too. But um, the, the church did split. The Episcopal Church did split many years ago because of that, right. that same issue. But, um, you know, now it's just come back in full force and it's really mm -hmm. a, a much better denomination, I think, if we want to use that mm -hmm. word. So, yeah. Yeah. So I think what you guys are doing and how you're putting your light out in the world is just fantastic. And I'm just so excited that I found you because <laughs> I love interacting with you, with your, your links and posts on online. It's just wonderful. Mm -hmm. And um, I think you're one of the, you know, you, you guys, you're, you're the good people that, that continue to, to put the light out there. You know, we're all good people, but you've chosen mm -hmm. to take your goodness and you're putting it out in a really extreme way. I mean, you know, you're, you put it out there, you're writing books about it, sex with God. That's got to be <laughs> the boldest thing you've ever done. I'm not sure, but that's a good one. <laughs> well, we're sure trying, you know, we've, we've been fortunate to be able to, um, you know, spend as, to dedicate as much time as, as we have so far. Um, and, uh, we hope to be able to just keep on plugging. Yeah. Well, it's interesting light. because I think, you know, you talked about that internal fear and homophobia, you know, mm -hmm. it's like when I came out as transgender, Suzanne was writing this book, reaching for hope. And that, so every once in a while, I think I'm just going to go hide over here for a little bit. But now that reaching for hope is out, <laughs> I'm really hiding. entering into more of speaking about being transgender. And, and that's what has happened. Every time she's come out with something, those groups of people have come to the page and, and we can associate with them more and we can uh -huh. interact. Uh -huh. um, so, you know, there's no hiding from that. What no, there's no hiding anymore. <laughs> <laughs> You've done it. You've done said it. <laughs> you said it. It's out there. Said oh, it oh, out oh. there. You put it on social media, you can't get it back. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, this this has nothing necessarily to do with with our focus today, but I'm really interested in the weird novels. So can you just uh -huh. explain that to me? <laughs> yes. You know, I have this. It turns out I have this dark side or I, I think um, I am drawn by people's stories and 
uh, trying to figure out why people do what they do and what drives them and, and motivates them. Um, and so I, my, you know, I, I'm on, I'm working on my fourth novel now. Uh, my first novel was kind of driven by my own exit from my, a very dysfunctional marriage and it kind of blossomed out of that. And then one of the characters in that did something bad to her friend. And so I wanted to explore what her motivations were. And in her case, um, her father was a meth, her mom left them when she was very little and her dad was a meth addict who ended up overdosing and dying. Mm -hmm. And then her life kind of was impacted by that throughout. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then in this um, novel that's coming out called The Language of Bodies um, that comes out in the fall of next year, I'm so excited. Um, it's the story of a woman whose wife was a, a trans woman of color is murdered, which is unfortunately extremely common. Um, mm -hmm. And it's the story of how she spirals into this desire for revenge um, mm -hmm. and goes after the perpetrator's uh, wife. You know, wow. she wants to do um, harm in response mm -hmm. to this thing that's happened. Mm -hmm. So um, my, but the setting, part of the setting of that novel is in a Wild West wax museum. <laughs> <laughs> um, and there's always humor in them and some form of a, a, a wise character who um, offers guidance and, and assistance. Um, in this case, for this book, she's an old Italian woman who owns a, a junk store, a thrift store. Um, <laughs> and she's funny and wise and uses strange language. Um, and so my books are just, they usually have a, a dark element. There's always humor. And there's usually something strange about them because they're just, um, because I like strangeness too. I mm -hmm. think strangeness is maybe underexplored in the world. A, a lot of us lead pretty boring vanilla lives, but a lot of us have these pockets of where weird stuff happens. And I, I find that interesting. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> my novels tend to be this mix of those things. That's so awesome. I, what I found interesting when I read it was in the darkest moments there was the greatest love mm. was shown and mm. you know so much so that I wept and couldn't keep reading Aww. at one point I mean it's such a grand love so you have that quirky and that dark but you also always interweave some kind of love mm. and it's usually very you know, like on a grand scale mm. what I wanted mm. to show in this particular book was the depth of love that this um the protagonist Maddie um had for her wife mm -hmm. and that this was a real human, that, that this wasn't just some fetish um, or, uh, you know, cartoon character, you know, I, so I'm trying to highlight the reality that trans people are trans are just, you know, they're just like anyone else mm -hmm. um, and that people love them. And, mm -hmm. you know, I wanted to kind of unfortunately highlight this problem that's in mm -hmm. sweeping, the, sweeping the world and, and our nation. Well, mm -hmm. often we'll see in the story that a transgender woman, usually of color, was killed brutally. Yes. And, and that's the story. Mm -hmm. But the story never stops there. There's a family mm -hmm. member, there's a parent, there's mm -hmm. children, there's mm -hmm. friends, you know, and I think in your novel, it shows that. Mm -hmm. They sound really, really good. Before well, we, they're weird. They're weird. 
weirdly good. They're weirdly good people. Find her. Um, before we before we end, I'm I'm interested because you're talking more, Declan, about being more open about being trans and and that journey. Have you come across the dreaded uh, religious question that comes like, well, if God has made everything perfect, why do you have to change? Oh, all the time. Yeah. Can and you, it, can you think, can you answer that a response to that from your perspective? Well, I think that's a kind of a new thought mm. that, and, and that people are speaking because mm-hmm. transgender people have been around all the time. And, yeah. and often Suzanne will say, God made you for more. So mm-hmm. I have a little bit of a more of a difficult journey being born in this body, but I, I can show you that being a man doesn't mean that I have these body parts. Being a man means what I show you being a man is right. You know, so um, it's, it's a, it's a bigger journey for me, I think, than if I had been born in a male body, which makes me think God trusted me with a little bit more, mm-hmm. you know, God said, okay, Declan, you're a man and you're going to be born in a female body, but go out and show the world that that doesn't mean you're not a man. Mm. You know, your body doesn't define you. Your personhood defines you, mm. you know? And so that's what I'm trying to do. You know, when I hear those naysayers, I try mm-hmm. to, to stay on that, that I've even seen, we've gone into churches before and it, there's been a big sign on the stage one time that said made for more. And I went, okay, I got that. <laughs> <laughs> Look <Because> here. <laughs> I I've got to be hit over the head with a baseball bat from God. Yeah. A lot of times, yeah. You know? Where's so, my f- burning bush when I needed it? <laughs> yeah. there, there, there are a lot of naysayers that say yep. that, like if God yep. made makes things perfect, yes. well, they did. They just, yeah, I have a female body and you don't think it's perfect. Right. That doesn't mean it isn't. Right. <laughs> when I was struggling to come back to the church, I, I talked with Father Joe at one point and I said, you know, if if gay, if being gay was okay, if I'm not going to hell for being gay, then why is it in the Bible? And what, you know, and of course all that unpacking of, of how I need to, you know, look at it differently. But, um, and I said, and, and what do you say about people who, who feel the need to, you know, to identify with who they are on the inside and they're, you know, changing and they're evolving. And he said, you know, he says, I don't have a real answer about that, but I'll tell you what I'm feeling. He said, I think, the trans community is an amazing group of people that God may be using. He said, and I say may, cause I'm not speaking for God, but God may be using those individuals to teach us to be more inclusive because how more inclusive are we becoming that we can stand here today and say, Oh, see that, that little girl over there. She really is a boy. And she's going to be that one day. And we're all going to love her through it until she's a him. And he said, I, I can't because I know that God doesn't make mistakes. And so if a person is born in one gender and then they transition to another gender, I think there's a message for all of us in their journey. I'm like, wow. To that. Well, it's interesting that we something very simple we say is that you can't judge a book by its cover, but yeah. we don't say that with people. Mm just a book mm-hmm. <laughs> people are so much bigger and we're supposed to love them we don't love a book yeah yeah <laughs> yeah yeah and i you know even though we love all of your books suzanne i'm just saying of course <laughs> <laughs> Clint, she's right beside you <laughs> Um, Oh, I'm so playful. Um, So, but I I think that I think all of our journeys are a way for people 
to, to really do what Jesus did and is just open his arms and accept who are you. And, um, you know, even, and I, I've, I've found that extremely difficult in the last four years politically. I'm, I'm really, really struggling with that. And, um, but yet that's the journey. We, we are, we have never arrived on our journey until we have stopped breathing and we're not here mm-hmm. because we have to continue to expand and to grow mm-hmm. and to be more inclusive in any way that we can do that. So mm-hmm. you guys are in the biz and, and I'm so happy that you're in the business of love and that you're <laughs> putting it out there so successfully and that we met. So where can, where can people find you? I'm going to be posting links, but, but talk about where, yes, eight to 10 hours a day, social media guru. <laughs> where can they yeah, find we you? <laughs> are on, we're on Twitter and Pinterest and Facebook and Instagram all under where true love is or the where true love is movement. Um, the Facebook group is close to 90,000 hitting a million people a month. Because people want love. They're yeah. looking for love. They need it. We need it. It's part of who yes. we are. Yeah. So um, it's a pretty easy thing to sell. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the love is, is good. We need it. So, and on Amazon under Suzanne's name, Suzanne DeWitt Hall, are all of her books. So she has three okay. children's books and seven uh, kind of meditation devotional studies. Um, study guides for those and yeah. all kinds of stuff even awesome. rumple pimple has his pages because he was the first he was the foundation we started by she started by writing a children's book about our dog oh cool because he just happens to have two moms in the book and there never was a book that had they were just there all the books explained the two moms and this one they're just there and we thought it was time you yeah. know it was about seven yeah. years ago to have a book where these people are just just happened to be there. I just happened yep. to have two moms. That's awesome. And that book has taken off and it's read all over the world. We get messages from people all over the world that say that it saved their family. It's a children's Aww. book and it saved their family because they could read it to their kids. Yep. And their kids go, Oh, I get it. This is why, you know, you left dad and you're with Sue now. Yeah. Because, and we're a family and it's okay because there's other families because look at Rumpel Pimple's family. Mm-hmm. So it started with the children's book and it's kind of bounced off of that. And and we've kind of gone with where we felt society and the group of people that we were connecting with were going. Yeah. So that was Rumpel Pimple. Thank you. Thank you for highlighting that. And see, that's what I'm talking about. This visibility, when you have that kind of visibility and you, you show that it is just what it is, it's love that there's nothing that can combat that really. I mean, people will, but I mean, that's, that's going to be the visibility that we need with the young people that are coming through. So Thank you so much, you know, Suzanne and Declan, <laughs> this has been the best time. So, oh, I, let me ask you one more question. I just won't let you go. Sorry. Um, <laughs> so, so if, if uh, the final question that I usually ask my guests when I remember is, <laughs> is what is the one thing that you would share with someone else who is struggling either to come out, to, to live their truth, you know, to be authentic, what, you know, based on your experience, what, what could somebody have said to you when you were in the the deepest part of your struggle that would have been helpful. Do you want to go first? Do you want me to, if you've got something, go ahead. <laughs> find your people, find, find your, your people, people. because your family might not be your people at first and that's okay. I mean, but there's a tribe. You've got to find someone that you have this in common with that is, you know, like they say, we have to have a Peter. We have to have a Paul. You have to have somebody that you can connect with that can help you grow. 
you know, with me, luckily it's been my spouse. She's helped me blossom into myself, but it's not that way with everyone, Mm -hmm. but there are people out there. And especially with social media, you can find them, find your tribe, find your people and connect with them because on the lowest times they will lift you up. They will give you hope. And that's all you need is a little glimmer of hope on some days. Mm -hmm. Someone to say, I care one person to say, I care. And I always tell people reach out, you know, share the message that they, that you love someone today, because that might be what they needed to hear to get to yeah. tomorrow. That's exactly so you just right. Gotta sometimes find that one person. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess I would say that um, to, to that person questioning themselves is that God is bigger. Mm-hmm. Um, that God is bigger than any of us can comprehend. Mm-hmm. And that God is certainly bigger than uh, the book, you know, a book sized box that's sitting on your um, you know, bedside table. Uh-huh. And to, to just pray that God would reveal the, the uh, more about that bigness. Uh-huh. Thank you. I love that. <laughs> good ones. Good ones, guys. So I want to thank you both so much for being here today and sharing your love and, and your your spirit, it has meant the world to me. And I thank you so much. And I honor you and I honor the story that you brought today. So I thank you very much from the bottom of my heart. Oh, we were so pleased to be here and you're, you're great at what you do. This was a lot of fun. Thank you so much for having us. You are so welcome. Tell all of your friends, they need to hit me up, especially for December 28th. I need a, I need a guest. Find somebody, (laughs) have them sign up Uh, or y'all are going to have to listen to me for an entire hour. It's not worth it. (laughs) (laughs) So I want to thank all my listeners too, for coming back each week, supporting and sharing and subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. If you want more information, go to the show page, gay with God at empoweredmidge.podbean.com to see all of where Declan and Suzanne can be found and all the links that they are going to share with me. So I can share it with them for all of you. And um, if you are questioning whether you can be gay and be in a relationship with God, if you are authentically gay, God has always been within you, even when you didn't know it. You have always been gay with God. Thank you, everybody. See you next week. Stay tuned to hear how you can join the Gay With God community and check out our Facebook group, Gay With God. See you next week. I want to invite you to become a part of the Gay With God community. How can you do that? Stay connected by messaging me your thoughts and comments in the comment section under the downloads of the show on the Gay With God show page. Subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen and share, share, share so we can increase our community outreach and be a light to those who are struggling to claim their faith. Consider being a sponsor so I can highlight your service in our community. We are all worthy of respect and a relationship with the God of our understanding. I want to thank you in advance for supporting this podcast. Together, we as a community will keep this show visible and our community stronger. Deep gratitude to my friend Tim McClendon of Tim McClendon Music for allowing me to use an excerpt from Interlude 4, a song found on his CD entitled Sundance.